From VT Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, as the spread of COVID-19 in the St. Albans prison appears to have leveled off, one former inmate who was released just days into the outbreak there says he believes it could have been prevented. Secretary Smith. At the governor's press briefing on Friday, Human Services Secretary Mike Smith said a new round of mass testing at the Northwest State Correctional Facility showed seven new cases among inmates. We had uh, seven new cases. Uh, those new cases have been moved or are in the process of being moved to St. Johnsbury. And the first round of testing in early April revealed a major outbreak. 38 inmates and 17 staff members had tested positive. Smith said the new numbers were a sign of progress. I, I just want to congratulate the Department of uh, Corrections, who has done an amazing job in uh, responding to that situation at Northwest Correctional, uh, State Correctional Facility. They have, they have done an amazing job in looking at how to move people, how to isolate people, how to make sure uh, that they contain a spread. But the Department of Corrections, which Smith oversees, has faced criticism for failing to contain the virus early on. Just this week, we heard from one inmate who got his positive test result the day after he was released from Northwest. They were treating us like we were the problem, like we, like we were the ones with the disease. Instead of protecting us from them, they were trying to protect us from each other. And the problem isn't us. Like, the people that have been there, and none of us have coronavirus, and it's not just going to appear out of nowhere. You know what I mean? The problem is them coming in and bringing it into us. And they weren't protecting us from them. This is Michael Aiki. Michael spent about two months at Northwest on assault charges that were eventually dismissed. This week, while he was quarantined at the Holiday Inn in South Burlington, he reached out to our criminal justice reporter, Alan Keyes. Alan, why were you interested in hearing the perspective of someone like Michael? Well, we haven't heard the perspective of many inmates, you know, who, who have been behind bars since the um, coronavirus outbreak at the Northwest State Correctional Center in St. Albans. So Michael was able to provide a, a view from inside the walls during um, the time of the outbreak. And what did he tell you that stuck out to you? It was, uh, I guess, mo- mostly his fear of contracting the virus while behind bars. Um, it seemed like it was uh, something that kind of preoccupied him the whole time was the possibility of contracting this virus. All the, the the panic started coming in, I think, around the end of February. They canceled visits for two weeks. They started out with two weeks. So the first two weeks in March, like everything was canceled. Um, they shut down all the visitor programs. They shut down the sex offender program. They shut down substance abuse. They stopped allowing AA into the facility. So they basically put us all on modified lockdown, and the only people that were coming in and out of the facility were corrections officers. What are you thinking as all this is happening? I'm thinking we're going to end up getting all locked down. To me, it felt like they were just they, they were just getting us all ready to lock us all down. They started once they canceled visits. They they started feeding us better. We started getting special food. Like the week before I left, they they gave us grinders. We had roast beef and chicken grinders. Um, they gave us Philly cheese steak before I left. 
extra hamburgers. Um, Saturdays, it was pizza day. They would give us an extra slice of pizza. You know, so I kind of felt like they were buttering us up to try to keep us cooperative hmm. while they took everything away from us slowly. At this point, no one in the prison had tested positive. But outside the facility, prisoners' rights advocates had started making noise about how dangerous correctional facilities could become. They talked about how it could spread in such a closed environment, as well as the conditions of some of the inmates. I mean, some of them are are older and vulnerable to the disease because of their medical history. Um, I guess they also talked about the conditions that exist in a prison that might expose them to contracting the coronavirus. And also the potential spread of the coronavirus could happen quite rapidly, they talked about, because of the closed quarters that people are in in a prison. You can't get out. And oftentimes you're eating meals together. You're using a bathroom facility, shared bathroom facilities. And you also have, a, in most cases, a cellmate who is in close proximity to you when you're in your cell. Slowly, we started to notice that advocates are pushing for people's release. Because St. Almonds has been deemed by corrections to be a transfer facility. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of federal inmate holds. So they have a lot of guys there that are federal inmates waiting for court and stuff. So the conditions there under general normal circumstances is, is you don't ever feel comfortable because you don't ever know if you're going to be transferred to another facility. Hmm. So I noticed that they started emptying the jail out there. At one point in time, there was only 16 of us in F pod. There was like 20 people in G pod. There was like 17 people in H pod. You know what I mean? So they started to empty the jail out pretty quickly. But Michael said that didn't do much for the inmates that were still there. He talked about the, he would have liked to have seen them take more precautions to try to protect the inmates. He talked of, he did not see early on people wearing face masks or face masks given to the inmates. They weren't wearing masks. There were, there were days where COs would come in and they would have masks on them, but they weren't wearing them. They were just going to have them around their necks or? In their pockets. I saw one had one tied around one, a belt loop on his, on his cargo pants. He talked about staff coughing in the facility. Um, that raised concerns from him. He talked about the kind of lack of PPE he saw early on. They tell us that it's spread through people breathing and coughing, you know what I mean, and germs. Like they tell us to wash our hands. They took away all the hand sanitizer that had alcohol in it. And it took them days to get us antibacterial hand soap, you know, and, and they weren't wearing their masks. They weren't wearing gloves. They were still patting us down. I asked, I remember asking a few times, I asked medical for masks. I asked why we weren't allowed masks, why we weren't allowed gloves. And they just didn't seem to really pay too much attention to it. They didn't care. They, they weren't monitoring the COs, lives outside of the facility, because they're the only ones coming in and out every day. As well as he had a, a cellmate, he said, who he believed was showing symptoms or, or who talked to him about showing symptoms or, or believing he might have COVID-19. Um, and he was concerned about being in the cell with that person. He had been complaining of an illness from the day that we moved in together on April 1st. That night, he, he started complaining that he didn't feel well. He, would put, that he put in like three or four sick call slips saying he didn't feel well. He didn't feel well. I was keeping an eye on him to make sure like he wasn't coughing or anything. And, and the symptoms that he had aren't any of the normal symptoms for the coronavirus, like shortness of breath, cough, fever. He didn't have any of that. He just had body aches and chills like he was getting the flu or something. Hmm. We were in the same cell from April 1st until April 6th. Monday morning, April 6th, they came in, they came and handed me a piece of paper. 
that piece of paper was from DOC. It was a memorandum from Supervisor Mann that said it is no, it served me a notification that I'm being placed in medical isolation quarantine due to my exposure or infection with COVID-19 virus. The only way that I had been infected that they know of is that they tested my cellmate. You know what I mean? Like they tested him and his test came back positive. And that's why I was removed from the unit because I was in, I was exposed to him. Where was he at that point? He was still in population. He was working in the kitchen. Wow. What happens next? They take me down to SAG. They take me down and lock me down in a cell down in Delta. What does that, what does that mean? Delta is the segregation. It's the hole where gotcha. you go when you, when you misbehave. They com- strip me completely naked. They take my sweatsuit. They take all my comfy clothes and they put me in a red jumpsuit. Red jumpsuit is for people who were down there for, for, to get in trouble. I didn't get in any trouble. You know what I mean? So I didn't understand why they were treating me like I had done something wrong. You know what I mean? Like they had just come into my cell, told me that I've been infected with COVID-19. You need to come with us. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they made me feel like I had done something wrong. You know what I mean? When they escorted me to segregation, they were only in a mask. I wasn't provided with a mask while I was being escorted to, se- to segregation, knowing from that letter that I'd been infected. So they didn't give me any PPE to protect everybody around me from me being potentially infected. So they bring me down there. They don't let me call anybody on the phone. I asked if I could have my tablet. They said no. I didn't get anything but a pencil and a piece of paper. For three days, they didn't let us come out of the cell. They didn't let us make any phone calls. The only reason why I was able to get on the phone was because my lawyer called. I just told her what was going on. She asked me what was going on in there, inside there, and I told her. And she said, and that's when she told me that my cellmate was the one that tested positive. And I'm like, well, how do they know he tested positive? I'm like, I had, like, when did they test him? Like, he was in my cell. Like, we were still in the cell together the day they came and got me. So they have, are, they, are, they had to have already known Monday when they took me out because other, how, how else would they say that I was infected with the COVID-19 virus? The good news from this call was that Michael was getting out. The charges against him had been dropped. But in the meantime, the first positive case in Vermont's inmate population was drawing major attention. Yesterday evening, we received confirmation of a positive test of an inmate who had been in a negative uh, pressure cell, uh, single occupant isolation room since developing uh, the symptoms on, like I said, April 6th on Monday. We also put an inmate who had shared his cell in a single room isolation uh, at the same time for observation and for the health of other inmates. That person has not developed symptoms at this time and will, re- will remain separated and housed in an isolation room throughout the quarantine period. At a press conference on April 8th, Secretary Mike Smith announced that Northwest would be the first facility in the state to get blanket testing. I'm ordering additional steps to be taken immediately to help prevent further spread. All inmates and staff at Northwest uh, Correctional Facility will immediately be tested over the next 24 hours. That would become the first test to tell Michael that he was positive. We'll be right back. Just a quick message from our underwriters. Whether you're on the move or on the couch, Northfield Savings Bank gives you everything you need to bank your way. 
from people you can talk to in a branch right down the street to complete, convenient online services right at your fingertips. Northfield Savings Bank is there to support you and fit the way you live your life. It's just another way Northfield Savings Bank continues to be the bank for builders, makers, doers like you. Find out more at nsbvt.com. They tested us all on Thursday. This was while you were in the hole? Yeah, while I was in the hole. I don't know how many inmates they tested that day. I just know they tested everybody in Delta that day because I could see that with my own eyes. Got it. How soon did it, did you get your results back? Uh, the next day. I got my results back Friday morning around 10.30. When Michael got released, he was supposed to head to an empty sober house in Plattsburgh, New York. But he says that plan got scrapped, and he was sent to a more crowded facility here in Vermont. It caused me to have to go to a house in Essex with nine other guys where I could have potentially infected nine other guys. Hmm. Luck, thank God I didn't. You know what I mean? It was just still the fact that, that, that probation and Department of Corrections just didn't go with the flow, knowing that I could be sick and that I could infect other people, putting, knowing, knowing full on that people are dying from this. Like, I just happen to be lucky and I'm healthy and that I didn't get that sick. But I very well, damn well could have, and I could have given everybody else this freaking shit too. You know what I mean? And I'm very thankful, thank God, that I didn't get anybody sick because there was a couple of guys at that sober house in Essex that could die from it if they got it because they're compromised. One has COPD and the other one has, has a heart condition. And I just, I just don't think that they did enough to protect us. And they need to because people are dying from this shit. Why do you want to tell your story about this? You know, what do you think should change going forward? The reason why I want to tell my story is because I feel like they didn't care about my life. I've, because when they released me, they released me right out the door, the same door the 15 other positive inmates were in booking. There was a sign on the door that said, do not enter without proper PPE, which is a Tyvek suit, a face shield, and a mask. You know what I mean? And, and they sent me right out of booking with no protection, with nothing. And they said, have a good day. And, you know what I mean? and they didn't care. And they didn't care about the lives of the people that they sent me to the sober house in Essex. They didn't care about any of it. And it's not right. Alan, in hearing from Michael, you've heard his account and brought some questions about it to the Department of Corrections. What did they say in response? Well, the interim commissioner, James Baker, said it was difficult to respond to each allegation that was being raised because um, he'd have to know more context and and more of a timeline about what happened without having to research it for, you know, quite a lot of time to spend to respond to each allegation. What the commissioner was most upset about or most wanted to respond to was the fact that uh, Michael talked about his feeling that corrections did not care about the inmates. And Commissioner Baker uh, wanted to be very clear that that was not the case and that the Department of Corrections was doing all it could. He took it very personally that he had a responsibility as the commissioner to look out for these inmates and people who are in his custody. Yeah. Did he respond at all to this kind of broader idea that more precautions should have been taken earlier, at least according to someone like Michael from the way he's described his experience? He talked about following the the guidelines and uh, recommendations that have been put out by the CDC, as well as working with the Department of Health and trying to follow or working to follow the best practices and, and what had been recommended by those groups. Yeah. And certainly very early on, I mean, uh, I guess officials were learning how to 
cope with COVID-19, as well as there were limited testing options at that time, early on in the process of the testing, um, access to testing has uh, seemed to greatly improve. Right, right. So that was a factor early on was that they just didn't have the capacity to do a blanket test of everyone in the prison system. Correct. And again, I mean, the, the procedure, I mean, there, are, there have been no other outbreaks in any other facility, but they also haven't done testing, kind of mass testing at other facilities. They have done testing of inmates who have met the uh, kind of symptoms requirement to be tested. And there have been inmates, certainly inmates who have been tested at the various facilities, um, but they have come back um, negative, except for St. Albans. What happens next for Michael? Uh, Michael's been, uh, he was just released from the Holiday Inn where he was quarantined. He was released on, uh, I believe it was Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, and he's going to a, uh, to a sober house um, where he's going to receive uh, some programming, I guess, as well as a kind of safe place to be, to be living um, as he transitions back to being out in the community. I'm supposed to meet somebody tomorrow morning for a job, so hopefully that all works out for me. And then I'm just going to get my feet under me. You know, and, 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 and continue to be on probation and deal with probation and hopefully get off probation in the, in the near future. And just, I don't know, just continue to, to try to heal. I just know that I just keep putting one foot in front of the other and I just keep going with the flow. Because I know, I know that I can get through this. But there's a lot of other people that I know that can't and I just want to be their voice to stick up for them. You know what I mean? To like be that person like, hey... We need, we need to be treated better, and you need to take this a lot more serious than you did initially. You know, because there's a lot of people that could die from this in jail. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing all this with us. No problem. Good luck. Thanks. Take care. all of Alan's reporting on the outbreak at the St. Albans prison at vtdigger.org and find all of our coronavirus coverage in one place at vtdigger.org slash coronavirus. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We use music this week by Blue Dot Sessions and Poddington Bear. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. Have a nice weekend.